You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Every Day Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Candor and openness. And transparency do not go in the same sentence when it comes to China. So what to do? Call Dr. Fauci before the Senate and the House. Uh, allow the people in the State Department who were silenced about pushing the lab leak theory to have their say. Hold those responsible who shut down this conversation. Make sure they're fired and get to the bottom of what happened. And finally, introduce sanctions, bipartisan against China if they don't cooperate with an international community. They will never tell you the truth until they're made to do so. Senator Lindsey Graham there, um, and based on the information that's come out in recent days, including the big Vanity Fair article that we were talking about last hour, uh, Dr. Fauci, you know, he's got his emails to explain and everything like that, but I think he gets too much attention because everybody knows his name. All those people you were talking about last hour that were involved in these decisions to don't look at the lab leak theory. No. Yeah, everybody who is advocating the more controversial aspects of bat virus research, the gain-of-function research, for instance, that's been talked about a lot, everybody who is advocating that went into full panic mode when it appears that virus leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology because they knew they were complicit, accidentally perhaps, and, and maybe with the best motives. They thought they might be complicit in the greatest pandemic, uh, certainly of the last century. And it might end gain-of-function research right? going forward, and they think it's important. Well, and I would not like to be held accountable for killing millions of people. No. So I get people freaking out, but we've got to have a way to hold people accountable, as Lindsey Graham was just describing. I have my doubts. Lonnie Chen joins us. Lonnie is David and Diane Steffi Fellow in American Public 
Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution and the Director of Domestic Policy Studies at Stanford University. Lon Hee Chen, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, If you were to distill down the lesson of this for people, where you have American bureaucrats essentially covering up for the communist Chinese because they are also covering up for themselves, what does that say about government? Well, it, it says a few things. First of all, there there is a very important debate, and there are very important sort of reasons to get to the bottom of the debate over exactly what the origins of uh, of COVID nineteen are. And you know, people will try to cover it up. And and look, the reality is that there there's an agenda here. There are agendas amongst those who uh, are in government. There are agendas amongst those who have looked at this. And the fact that we still don't have the truth now, I think, is a, a huge indictment on uh, the, the bureaucracy and its desire to continue to, to push a certain theory as the advantage theory. When, when, in fact, look, there's a lot we don't know. And these are legitimate questions, legitimate questions that from day one were covered up. And unfortunately, some of the media were complicit in this. Some of the yeah. media basically went along and said, listen, there's no theory to examine here. The concept of the lab leak theory um, was dismissed by many in the media as a fringe conspiracy theory, when, in fact, from day one, there was strong evidence, uh, some of which was surfaced by the intelligence community, some of which was surfaced by reports from within China, that this was something that was worth looking at. And it is the job of, of bureaucracies, who, by the way, are supported by taxpayers, all of us, to conduct proper and thorough investigations, and that simply did not happen in this case. So it's disappointing, but now we have an opportunity. And I think Senator Graham raises a very important point, which is how do we investigate this going forward? And the answer, gentlemen, is not the World Health Organization. And that is something I worry about, that this administration continues to believe that the World Health Organization is the right venue for this investigation to take place, and it simply is not. The WHO has been proven time and again to be corrupted, to be broken, and to be fundamentally incapable of handling this investigation. Do you think we should have stayed out as Trump wanted to do and just try to start another uh, global body? Or do you think it makes sense to be in it and try to reform it? I think we should have leveraged the time we were out a lot better. And I don't think that Biden should have jumped right in. I think what we should have done is said, look, you know, I've written about this before. You guys know this that the, the U.S. and U.S. entities are the single largest supporter of the World Health Organization financially. We had a tremendous amount of leverage to use to make the WHO change for the better if that's what we wanted to do. And if the WHO was unwilling, then I did advocate that we should start a new organization, a new multilateral body of countries committed to getting to the bottom of this crisis, as well as others, by the way, not just this one. The WHO wasn't just asleep at the switch for COVID-19. They were asleep at the switch for past pandemics, including Ebola, when that came to the fore several years ago. So this is nothing new for the WHO. My point was simply that I have no problem with the U.S. working with other countries that want to get to the bottom of things like this. And in fact, we have already stated that we're willing to work with countries like Australia and Japan and the United Kingdom who want to get to the bottom of this. But the, the fact is you cannot simply accede to the WHO and say, oh, yeah, yeah, those guys will get it done. And I really wish we had used uh, what the last administration did as, as a leverage point to make the WHO change. Now we don't have that leverage anymore because well, we're back in. When the WHO allowed into their final report 
China's version of the story that it came from frozen food in America and considered that a credible possibility. That was when I was done with the WHO. Screw you, WHO. I mean, that's ridiculous. I mean, it's even worse, you guys, because this investigation that the WHO led, when the WHO investigators went to China, the, the Chinese government did not even allow the investigators to see the original data and information from the start of the pandemic back in 2020, 2019, 2020. They initially didn't even want them to go to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. All right. So how can you have a fair investigation over the origins of COVID-19? when the Chinese government is unwilling to turn over the very information required to determine the origin of COVID-19. Well, then explain to me explain to me what's going on within the WHO, though. So then why didn't they call a press conference, which all the major media of the world would have showed up to, and said, China is stonewalling us on allowing us to investigate the origins of the worst virus in a hundred years. We demand... Why didn't they do that? Why did they go along with them? And what leverage does China have over these people? Is it Are they just writing them well, checks, or what is it? This is the, the, this is the, this is the million dollar question. So I think there's two out, two aspects to this. First of all, the current leader of the WHO, a guy named Dr. Tedros, and we've talked about this on the show before. This guy did not uh, get to his leadership position alone. He got to his leadership position through the assistance and the backing of, of the Chinese government. When he was, uh, you know, in government previously in his home country, he actually benefited from funds from the Chinese government to assist in projects in his home country. And then he went and ran the WHO again with the support of the Chinese government. All right. So the current leader of the WHO, if you go back and look at the start of this pandemic, by the way, you will see statement after statement from Dr. Tedros glowing endorsements of what China did initially to stop the spread of the virus. This these statements were made, by the way, before he had any knowledge of what China's role in this was. But he gave these glowing statements basically saying, hey, China is doing a great job. And he went to Beijing, met with Xi Jinping and stood there with him at a press conference that was basically a laudatory press conference of Xi Jinping. So Dr. Tedros's motivations are impure. That's the first problem. The second problem is that the WHO itself for so long has been under the influence of China and of countries allied with China, that it is a compromised organization. There's really no other way to look at it. And so this is the reason why the WHO did not scream more loudly for a full and fair investigation, in my view, is because it didn't really want a full and fair investigation. And that's why we are with Why the hell would you want to be a member of that body? But anyway, uh, it needs to be torn absolutely down to the foundation and rebuilt again under U.S., British, uh, Australian leadership, et cetera. It's clear. And, you know, it just goes to show the U.S. government, like the WHO, like all organizations, they evolve to the point where they're, they exist to protect their own interests. Mm-hmm. And, and their own highness. Yeah. Lon Hee Chen of the Hoover Institution, Stanford University on the line. Go ahead, Lon Hee. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I mean, the WHO is just one of these organizations. I mean, there are several of these multilateral organizations over the years that have been co-opted by the Chinese Communist Party. And the reason why is because, by the way, they have basically gone out there and had a multi-decade effort to influence these international organizations. And one of the things that the last administration, the Trump administration, actually did well was to begin to counter this by affirmatively going after these organizations 
and trying to influence the leadership fights of these organizations to put people friendly to the rule of law, friendly to an open agenda in the leadership positions of these organizations. And unfortunately, we couldn't get there with the WHO, but I think you guys make a a very good point, which is we need to be careful about how we interact with an organization like this, one that has been so thoroughly corrupted and proven to be ineffective. Well, and Trump, for all of his sins, any time he insisted that NATO or the WHO or any number of organizations come correct and install the sort of leadership you're talking about and reform themselves and pay their dues, the rest of it, he was just absolutely murdered by the media for being anti-ally and anti-coalition and America alone and the rest. It's just it's obscene, the amount of lying. The same morons on the left who respect big government, of course, respect even bigger global organizations and just assume they're all full of... You know, people that are only going to do their best. Yeah, it's very I, frustrating. Well, Go ahead, Andy. Yeah, it is. It, it is. I was going to say, you know, the, the United States can use its tremendous leadership uh, around the world and the opportunities we have to influence these conversations to move things in the right direction. And, you know, I actually thought that we started to make some of those positive changes. Unfortunately, uh, you know, I don't know where things are now. And this concept of multilateralism at all costs to me is, is fundamentally the wrong way to go about changing these organizations for the better and improving and enhancing America's role abroad. The only way that we're going to do that is by insisting on the kinds of changes that we believe are the right changes, because those are the right changes for the world and the right changes for these institutions to be effective. Lon He Chen, David and Diane Steffi, fellow in American Public Policy Studies at the Hoover Institution, director of domestic policy studies at Stanford. Uh, Lon He, great to talk to you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. You know, Jack, the point you made that Tim Sandifer has made quite uh, eloquently is the idea that people abandon their self-interest and become some sort of angels when they move into government work is so unspeakably stupid. I almost said naive. I probably should have said naive. But you're out of your freaking mind. You have not observed humanity. If you think that government bureaucrats are there to to pursue, pursue your best interests, they're like any other human being to the point where they will help the communist Chinese cover up the negligent homicide of millions if it will keep their resume clean. Hey, you have U.N. peacekeeping forces who go into villages and rape the women and steal their money. You got the Olympic Committee that has no interest whatsoever in a free and fair competition of athletes from around the world. That has been proven throughout the years. And then the WHO. I mean, these global organizations like this, they're as every bit as corrupt as any other organization. Yeah, Dr. Tedros is clearly a lapdog of the communist Chinese, and, and we ought to behave as if that's the case. God, I, I, it's, a, it's a, beyond me why we would continue to treat them with any respect whatsoever and wait for the reports with, oh, please, when's the report? The report comes out Thursday. Let's wait till Thursday please. the report comes out, and then everybody reports what they said happened like it freaking matters. It's like asking Al Capone for a report on bootlegging. It's just idiotic. Hey, we a couple of more bombshells from the Vanity Fair piece next, if you're in the mood. I mean, you will be a believer. And speaking of government reports, the report is out on the UFOs. The final report came out today on whether UFOs are real. Which is the stupidest way I can think of putting it, but that's the that's way they put idiotic, it. idiotic. Really well done. Which is the way they yes. put it on Good Morning America today. Uh, that and other stuff on the way. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. Translation Guide Part 2. This is a fast-paced work environment. You work weekends. We have a relaxed company culture. You can wear a t-shirt, but we still suck. Our employees must be flexible. You will do three people's jobs. company has huge opportunity for growth. We pay in food scraps. Can I pick your brain on this? Please do my job for me. <laughs> Someone's pretty good. <laughs> Interpreting corporate speak. Is there more of that we could play later? It sounds like there's more of that. Uh, this is an important story. Do you believe in UFOs? What the hell does that mean? I, I don't know. As I said on the podcast the other day, the moronic way they've been portraying this story. Oh, you mean you believe in UFOs? You, do I mean, do I believe in the idea of seeing something and not knowing what it is? It would be like if I hear a sound and say, what was that? Was that a dog or was that a car horn? I don't know what that was. You believe in unidentified sounds? Yeah, I don't know what that sound was. Yeah, I'm not saying it's the uh, ghost of John Wilkes Booth or a space <laughs> alien or anything. I'm just saying there was an aircraft that I'm, we're not sure what it is, and we're trying to figure it out, you morons. Headline, the report is finally out. U.S. finds no evidence of alien technology in flying objects, but can't rule it out either. Oh, <sighs> That's the headline. So they still don't know or at least aren't telling us what the things are that are showing up on the radar of some of our best fighter planes. Well, yeah, uh, which and if is they interesting. could tell us, and if they were inclined to tell us, they already would have told us. Um, the report determines that a vast majority of the more than 120 incidents over the past two decades did not originate from any American military or other advanced U.S. government technology, the officials said. This could all be lies. So, of course it could. You know, and Why would people lie? And for, <laughs> from what I understand, and it's not a lot, but from what I understand, there are parts of DARPA and the military um, that are secret enough that a government agency studying this, they would be completely separate. Yeah, absolutely. Everything DARPA's working on isn't furnished to every single fighter pilot. <laughs> They're not aware, which is the way it ought to be. It's fine. So you believe in UFOs, huh? Or a separate government committee that's just looking into this. It would Boy, I'd like it, to slap Leslie Stahl. Obviously, it would be a test of our own equipment to see if we can fool our fighter pilots who have the best equipment on Earth. They can't tell what this is. Well, then right. obviously we can fool the Russians and the Chinese or whoever. That's what's Clearly. going on there. And for the record, I would never raise my hand against Leslie Stahl or any other woman. It was a joke because 60 Minutes is so annoying. Well, you're... Oh, go ahead. Go, I was going to say, coming up, some more bombshells from the Vanity Fair, uh, Wuhan origin of the COVID stuff. If you've got to go to work, just be late. In fact, quit your job. Tell your boss to F themselves. You just <laughs> stay with us. And Charles Barkley wants to put one sports reporter in a full body cast for things he said about LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> See, I think I think he might mean that for real. I think he probably does. Now that's a threat. <laughs> wow. When asked if he had any regrets from the incident in which he We're flew, out of time. Armstrong and Getty. On a summer night in Paris, American artist Lee Krasner is drifting off to sleep when the phone rings. On the line, news that her husband, Jackson, is dead. Jackson, as in the painter Jackson Pollock. He might, to this day, be the most mythologized figure in American art. But how much of the story that we've been told about him is just that, a myth? On Death of an Artist Season 2, Krasner and Pollock, the story about how the art world changed forever. And the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting. 
just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. I've been a journalist for two decades, writing cover stories for Business Week, Fortune, and Wired. And now, every Monday, I bring you conversations with people who are thinking deeply about work and where it fits into our lives. Like Microsoft CEO Satya Nadella on growth mindsets. The learn-it-all does better than the know-it-all. Or MacArthur Genius winner Angela Duckworth on talent versus grit. Your long-term effort and your long-term commitment are surprisingly important. Each episode delivers pragmatic advice for right now. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Armstrong and Getty Show. When I said um, the one thing that bothers me more than anything, we never really got an opportunity to see our like our full team at full strength, either because of injury or COVID or or, or something going on with our with our ball club this year. We could uh, never fully get into a rhythm um, and never really kind of see the full potential of what we could what we're capable of. Yeah, you're not supposed to say those things. Uh, I don't mind him saying those things. But that's LeBron James with his reasons for why for very few times over the last almost 20 years has the NBA playoffs not included LeBron James going way deep in the playoffs, if not winning at all, and um, and playing in the finals. What, 11? That's Tom Brady. I get him mixed up. Like six, seven, eight times in a row, something like that. Anyway, LeBron James bumped in the first round of the NBA playoffs. The Lakers are done. And it was not, it was no nail biter either. They're just no. whapped by the Suns. Anyway, uh, so this, uh, you don't know who he is, but he's a jackass. Skip Bayless sports reporter was saying all kinds of things bad about LeBron James. Charles Barkley, who you probably do know who that is, said last night that if he ever gets Skip Bayless alone in a room, Skip Bayless would need a full body cast. <laughs> what? Chuck, you can't which, say that. Which is a heck of a threat. <laughs> You can't threaten the media like that, Charles. And the famous Charles Barkley story, Sean, is... Uh, when he threw a person out of a bar window, he was later asked if he had any regrets, and he said, I regret we weren't on the second floor. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way he rolls. Punching in the balls. Oh, hey now, oh, hey now, hey now. Chuck, now. So we're talking about this enormous vanity fair piece about the origins of the coronavirus and how it's become increasingly clear that it absolutely leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. 
And uh, the the side story, of course, is, wait a minute, how did it become almost immediately the gospel truth that it didn't? Well, we've talked about the Chinese cover-up and the WHO's compliance with the Chinese, Dr. Tedros being a stooge of China. We've talked about that for a long time. And we've also talked about the the media's incredible enthusiasm for anything that contradicted Trump. I mean, enthusiasm to the point of they would throw their own mother under the train if it contradicted Trump. So that did childish and idiotic, and that was part of it. But here's the part we missed. And the Vanity Fair piece does an exhaustive job in laying this out. There were huge interests within the U.S. government protecting the Chinese because they were involved in the funding of the work that was being done there at the Institute of Virology. And, you know, as we've talked about this before through the, the, the Trump years, especially the idea of the deep state, which is a term I've always found a little dramatic um, or the swamp, which is pretty good, but it's vague. Can you just join me in using the term permanent bureaucracy? Yeah. These people who work their entire lives at, for instance, the State Department, they stay no matter who's in power, and they run the department. I mean, the, the like the Secretary of State tries to, but sometimes they have to beg for help. Mike Mappeo has talked about this, how he just tried and tried and tried to get people to just institute his policies. I remember Dick Morris. We had him in studio years ago, legendary political uh, mover and shaker, saying the State Department was the, is the most entrenched bureaucracy in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this uh, piece in Vanity Fair, and we touched on some of this earlier, um, they interviewed dozens and dozens of people, reviewed hundreds of pages of documents, memos, meeting minutes, etc. And it is absolutely clear that conflicts of interest stemming in part from large government grants supporting controversial virology research hampered the U.S. investigation into the COVID-19's origin. In one State Department meeting, officials seeking to demand transparency from the Chinese government were explicitly told by colleagues not to explore the Wuhan Institute of Virology's gain-of-function research because it would bring unwelcome attention to the U.S. government funding of it. They were warned not to pursue an investigation at all because it would open a can of worms if it continued. So that's where we we left off um, a, a while back, skipping their idiotic stuff about Trump. Uh, Dr. Richard Ebright, Board of Governors, Professor of Chemistry and Chemical Biology at Rutgers, said that from the very first reports of a novel bat-related coronavirus outbreak in Wuhan, it took him a nanosecond to consider a link to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Only two other labs in the world in Galveston, Texas, and Chapel Hill, North Carolina, were doing similar research. He said, and I quote, it's not a dozen cities, it's three places on Earth. Wow. Then came the revelation that the famous Lancet statement that we were talking about from, was it February of last year, that explicitly said, it came from nature, it did not come from the lab. That's a conspiracy theory. That Lancet statement was not only signed but organized by a zoologist named Peter Dazak, who's repackaged U.S. government grants and allocated them to facilities conducting gain-of-function research, among them the WIV itself. This guy was a major mover in financing gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute. And he was the guy who organized the oh-so-persuasive letter that said, no way it leaked from the lab, no way. And all of America's journalists said, see, see all these scientists? They say Trump's wrong. They say Trump's wrong, so he must be wrong. 
Uh, so this uh, David Asher, now a senior fellow at the Hudson Institute, ran the State Department's day-to-day COVID-19's origin inquiry. He said this is the head guy at the State Department looking into the COVID. He said it soon became clear, quote, there is a huge gain-of-function bureaucracy inside the federal government. They won the fight over whether we should finance this stuff or not. In spite of the dangers, they laid their careers on the line and said, you can do this, it's a good idea, it won't escape and kill a million people. And then it did. Right, and uh, I don't remember who's so, quoted. So, I'm sorry, to finish the thought, so what do you suppose they did? They covered it up as fast and as hard as they could. Right, I don't know. I don't remember who's quoted in that Vanity Fair article, but saying this would, well, it's going to turn out to be anyway, but they were concerned this would be their Chernobyl or Three Mile Island. Those were two big nuclear disasters that turned everyone off of nuclear power in a lot of the world because there were, a, you know, a couple of problems. They believed that this research was very important to do, and if the story got out that, oh my God, this horrible virus leaked out of a lab, that would be the end of them being able to do this research. Right. Uh, which right. they think would be a mistake. And they may be right. They, they may, you know, I don't know enough about it. They may be absolutely right. Hey, this is no reason to stop gain of function research. May be correct, but we still need to know the truth. Right. Well, I mean, for, if the, only... the perfect example is the example I just gave. I think we should have way more nuclear power in this country, even though there was Three Mile Island and Chernobyl. Right. Right. So just because there was a disaster or two doesn't mean you need to end the the whole thing. Although, you know, these bureaucrats, for all their sins and, and their evil, they're right that if public sentiment gets crazy, then the facts yep. don't matter anymore. Yep. You just yep. don't don't let a corrupt Chinese dictatorship do this sort of in, uh, research. The problem is that that's where these viruses come from. China, from the bat caves in China. I'm glad Not Batman and Robin, bats. I'm glad Vanity Fair unearthed this, because it all now makes sense to me. This This fits in with human nature to me. Because, uh, you know, the idea that uh, Anthony Fauci, for some reason, is in bed with the Chinese or it was just purely a financial motive or something like that, eh, just never fit to me. But the idea that this is something you really believe is important for the world and, um, you know, there might be a, a story out there that's going to hurt the thing you care about the most, mm-hmm. that's human nature to try to cover that up. Yeah, here's a little more fleshing out of something we all heard about. You remember those uh, researchers that just came out that got sick in October of 2019? Or was it November? Oh, bah, 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 bah. The autumn. We'll call it the autumn Going of 2019. Going back to October, some reports say, of uh, 19. Right. Here's a little more flesh on that bone. There was a small group within the State Department's Arms Control, Verification, and Compliance Bureau that had been studying the Institute for months. The group had recently acquired classified intelligence, suggesting that three Wuhan Institute researchers conducting gain-of-function experiments on coronavirus samples had fallen ill in the autumn of 2019, before the COVID-19 outbreak was known to have started. Okay, so our State Department gets that classified intelligence. As officials at the meeting discussed what they could share with the public, they were advised by Christopher Park, who you're going to see in front of the Senate soon, I hope, the director of the State Department's biological policy staff in the Bureau of... God, these things have long names. Um, They were advised 
by this Christopher Park not to say anything that would point to the U.S. government's own role in gain-of-function research, according to documents obtained by Vanity Fair. Some of the attendees were, quote, absolutely floored, said an official familiar with the proceedings, that someone in the U.S. government could, quote, make an argument that is so nakedly against transparency in light of the unfolding catastrophe was shocking and disturbing. Yeah, well, if if all your funding is going to dry up, if word gets out that there are these kind of risks to gain-of-function research, yeah, people do things. I, I got a buddy who works in getting funding for an organization. It's full of craziness. Yeah. That, that getting funding from either government or uh, you know rich people um, is just full of lies and deceit. And Park, who had been involved in lifting a U.S. government moratorium on funding for gain-of-function research, was not the only official to warn the State Department investigators against digging in sensitive places. As the group probed the lab leak scenario, among other possibilities, its members repeatedly advised not to open a Pandora's box, said four former State Department officials. The admonition smelled like a cover-up, said Thomas DeNano, and I wasn't going to be part of it. Now, this Christopher Park guy... Vanity Fair reached him, and he said, I'm skeptical that people genuinely felt they were being discouraged from presenting facts. He added that he was simply arguing that it is, quote, making an enormous and unjustifiable leap to suggest that research of that kind meant that something untoward is going on. That denial is not a denial. It's not even close. Right. It's not within a million miles. I think we now know the story. I think it's now out and known. Yep. All the pieces are there. Congress will do an investigation, and you'll get people under oath, and you'll have names and faces for all this stuff. But uh, its I think it's now known why and how it was covered up. I think, I'm trying to, uh, what I'm mulling around in my mind is, will there be forces that will continue to try to cover this up, and will the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress cooperate with them, or will they go after them? The Democratic Party famously is the party of the pure permanent bureaucracy in Washington. Um, I think sentiment has turned on this. I think, I, I think I, you're right. I think everybody's going to band together and try to put the goat's horns on these people. <laughs> For the deaths of millions. And, and, ladies and gentlemen, I would remind you that millions of people have died and are dying because the Chinese government, with the assistance, I believe, of factions within our government, covered up the truth to cover their own asses, and that let the virus escape around the world. There are millions of deaths that can be laid at the feet of these people. This is not a joke. Um, This just in, two Iranian warships reportedly rounded the Cape of Good Hope and appear to be uh, be beginning the Atlantic crossing an Atlantic crossing for the first time in history Iranian warships crossing the Atlantic I hope they don't catch fire and sink to the bottom of the sea I don't know what kind of show of force that is but anyway um, got a serial pooper out there that has been caught thank God mm. um, and why is the FBI trying to force the USA today to give them the names of everyone who read a certain article? What? I know. Doesn't that sound crazy? Ah, uh, not very American. Interesting. All that on the way. Armstrong and Getty.
The Armstrong and Getty Show. You know, unfortunately, the older you get, you start losing friends. And recently, I've lost a number of friends. Um, but today, I found out that I lost a great friend. His name was F. Lee Bailey, one of the great lawyers of our time. I call him Flea. He hated it. <laughs> right? Um, God bless his family. Um, God bless you, Lee. You'll be missed by me. Yeah, how bad? Celebrity lawyer F. Lee Bailey died at an old age yesterday, and he uh, was, uh, you know, a main figure in getting O.J. Simpson acquitted. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm having a very difficult time dealing with that clip emotionally. It's a guy who valued a friendship. He's mourning, and he's a double murderer. Got away with it. Yeah, as the older get, you start losing friends. Well, you lost friends when you were younger by chopping their heads off. (laughs) Damn. Yeah, well said. Anywho, had a serial pooper in Ohio. As I mentioned earlier, the golden age of being a person <laughs> that has this weirdness is over. Pre doorbell cams and uh, and every, you know big cities have video cameras in every corner and that sort of stuff. Sure, you can run around pooping <laughs> the in public. Golden age of public pooping is over. Hey everybody, I just took a. Nancy Pelosi's driveway. Good morning. Remember that story. Good morning. Wasn't that Sunday long ago? morning. Some some somebody pooped in Nancy Pelosi's driveway and was right. proud of it. I don't think that's cool. I'm against it. Uh, this is a 70 year old Ohio man. Congratulations on being so regular at your age, sir. <laughs> Told cops that he was a Trump man. A, tr- a Donald Trump. Man? And was repeatedly urinating and defecating in front of a neighbor's house because the residents are Democrats and support Joe Biden. Oh, sir. <laughs> sir. I'm not sure you're making the point you think you are. <laughs> do you know what you get accused of or are ticketed for if you do this? Don't, if In case you're wanting to do it, don't let it hold you back because it ain't that big a deal. It's just littering. What? It's just a littering ticket. Oh, it's got to it's, it's depend on where you are. Local, uh, check your local listings. Why would it be that much worse than littering? It's littering. It's litter. Well, it's, it's medical waste, isn't it? Kind of, sort of, almost. How about, the, how about the dog pooping in your yard? That happens all the time. Uh, not if I see it. I have different standards for people and dogs. Yeah. Jack, well, you're coming out pro-pooping in public. Let's label this podcast accurately. Uh, the accused uh, Jerry Detrick, who looks like the sort of guy who would poop in your driveway, uh, was cited Sunday for littering. After the homeowner caught him in the act at about 3.15 a.m. I'm not getting up that early. Well, I guess if you get woken up by the urge, you got to go. What are you going to do? Just lay there in bed? <laughs> Certainly uh, not. You're going to go down the street to your Democrat neighbor's house and crap in their front yard. Of course you are. Man, I wish the Biden supporters lived closer. <laughs> Investigators say that uh, the neighbor called 911 after spotting a man squatting down and relieving himself near a hedge outside his home. Yeah. The suspect got up and walked away from the property. Yeah, whether it's that guy or the guy at the town hall with uh, Michael Flynn saying, what happened in Minamar? Why can't we have that here? He's a retired high school teacher. Please, just just don't say anything. Just take up fly fishing or mahjong or something, anything. Stop talking about politics. The pooper is a retired high school teacher who lives a couple of blocks from the, the, the neighbor's residence. First of all... If your neighbor a couple of blocks away likes a different politician, 
Who freaking cares? No kidding. But anyway, the fact that you walk well, several blocks at three in the morning, kind of walking like this, <laughs> man, I gotta get there fast. <laughs> Wasn't the uh, that other notable public pooper turned out to be the superintendent of the school district? And so there, there's quite an overlap between public poopers and and educators. Uh, during questioning, the man repeated uh, reportedly admitted to urinating in his neighbor's yard and also copped to previously defecating on the victim's property multiple times. He did not give a number. Yeah, I did it. Ah, you got me. He targeted the home. He targeted the home because his neighbor and spouse are Democrats and support Joe Biden and says, "I am a Trump man." Okay. Uh, the patrolman said that leads him to believe the incident was politically motivated, which might have its own special <laughs> crime. That's hate crime. Uh, he's going to be arraigned June 8th on littering. I'd like to be on <laughs> that a, jury. In a Facebook post following the arrest, the neighbor, the one who was pooped upon, wrote of an uh, uh, eventful early morning in the apprehension of a man who's been assing <laughs> in our front yard for the past <laughs> ten years. <laughs> years yeah. wait a minute <laughs> holy well you know what <laughs> yeah i'm glad they finally found the guy who'd been doing this in my yard for the last decade somebody's doing that to me for like a month i'm investing some serious time and money into figuring out what's going on somebody's doing it for a decade it costs like a hundred bucks to get a camera that would find the guy wouldn't it well right yeah yeah, no, I'm not just going to let that pass. Oh, gosh, guess what, honey? Darn it. Somebody pooped in our yard again. Well, I'll clean it up. <laughs> More human excrement in the well, yard, honey. Again? Yeah, that's maddening, isn't it? <laughs> no, I'm not putting up with that. Well, wait a minute. Getting a dog or something. The guy wasn't a Trump man 10 years ago. No, I mean, you had other story? reasons, I imagine. Wait, I don't know. There's more to this. And Getty. You may know Jackson Pollock, the painter famous for his iconic drip paintings. But what do you know about his wife, artist Lee Krasner? On Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock, the story of the artist who reset the market for American abstract painting, just maybe not the one you're thinking of. Listen to Death of an Artist, Krasner and Pollock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Jesse Hempel, host of the Hello Monday podcast. In my 20s, I knew what career success looked like. In midlife, it's not that simple. Work is changing, we are changing, and there's no guidebook for how to make sense of it. Start your week with the Hello Monday podcast. Listen to Hello Monday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.